0: My name is Michael, if you guys don't know me, and uh, we are starting a new series today. If you are new with us, uh, this is your first time, welcome. We are excited that you're here. Hopefully you get to know some of the people here, make some great relationships, uh, keep coming back. Hopefully this whole nonsense uh, didn't, like, scare you. Uh, If you got, like, spit on your face when you were in the mosh pit, it's totally a God thing, and uh, that's how we kind of justify it. Um, We are starting this beautiful, beautiful new series called Practice And uh, this whole thing kind of came out of uh, a certain scripture, and uh, that's in 1 John 3. And uh, let me read that really fast and then kind of explain where the heart of this whole thing comes from. This is what it says, 1 John uh, 3, verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. 10. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So all of a sudden, Jesus is so worked in this guy named John that John begins to write this letter. And in this letter, he says, people who practice are the people that love. That's kind of the the point of what he's saying. The people who practice are people that love. And people who do not practice are people who eventually get caught up in the wrong things. And so all of a sudden this got me to thinking of Christianity and life and church and Jesus and following and all these crazy things. And it made me think of uh, New Year's resolutions. You know those people who like the beginning of the year are like, dude, 2017 is my year, man. I'm going to get jacked out of my face. I'm going to get muscles on my eyeballs. Like I'm going to get that kind of jacked. And then all of a sudden the next January hits and you're like you're 30 pounds heavier than what you were last year. And all of a sudden their whole plan has gone backwards. Have you ever met those people before? The people who have like such great aspirations, such great ideas, great dreams but can never really follow through on any of them. At times that begins to be the picture of us. As followers of Jesus we go, man woof, Jesus! This dude's legit, man. Said some gnarly stuff in this book. He says he came down, he he saved me, he died for my sins, whatever that means. He, He came back and he won victory for me. That's awesome. And yet the idea of it in our mind is great, but none of it actually translates into life. That begins to be what we want to talk about here practice, the practice of love, the practice of not sinning, the practice of being somebody who follows day in, day out in all of your life. Because what happens is we have this term over all of us, and we've talked about this before, this idea of a, of a Christian, and a Christian by the bare minimum is somebody who knows all of the stuff but doesn't really do anything with it. It's a Christian. Then we have people that look at the church and they go, I want nothing to do with that because of so-and-so, or because of this person, or because of that person, or because of what they did, because of that Christian. And we don't understand that these kinds of individuals, the people who think that it's a great idea but don't actually do anything with it, are the greatest harm. People get hurt because of this stuff. People feel fa- like pain because of, uh, of these individuals, that people reject Christianity, the church, not because they have judged Jesus, but because they have judged people who say that they follow him. And so if you're one of those people who has always been kind of skeptical of church, has always been like, uh, you know what, I, I, I don't really know about all this whole thing. Don't base your judgment off of the people who follow him. Base your judgment off of him. Learn what he says. Learn what, what he does and then make your opinion at that point. And that's what we want to talk about, this practice. There's a guy by the name of Dallas Willard. He has this amazing quote, and this is going to be the goal. This is what we're hoping for with this whole series of practice. We have this week, which is kind of the more general opening. In the next three weeks, we're going to get into the actual plan. And this is the goal of what we hope to get out. This is what he says. The greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ. Steadily learning from him how to live life of kingdom of heaven into every corner of human existence. That, that last part is, is so, so important. That they learn from him how to live the life of the kingdom of heaven into every corner of human existence. That you move from this Christian, this idea of somebody who just knows this stuff but doesn't really do anything with it, to a disciple where I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he does. I'm going I'm to go where he goes. I'm going to do whatever he says. I want to be like you. And that that idea so just consumes my whole life that it goes into every single corner. That in everything I do, I'm going to worship. In everything I do, I'm going to glorify him. When I see that person sitting by themselves, I'm going to go because my my whole existence has been changed. And this this was my whole story. And this is kind of why I'm passionate about it. If you're sitting there on the fence and you're like, ah, you know, I've kind of assumed this whole church thing, that was me. I remember going to church uh, when I was a kid and it was the worst, like the worst. Okay. I would go there. There's like the old guy like on the piano, but he doesn't really know how to play piano because he can't really see his fingers anymore. Like that kind of old, you know? And he's singing, and he's going for it. I'm like, man, like, bless his heart, but this is, this is bad. All right, sit there, and, and, and I'd be listening to this guy talk about, like, taxes. Like, it has nothing to do with my life. And I'd grab the offering slip in the back of the, the sheet, and I'd just become like Michelangelo on the back of those things, like masterpieces on the back of those offering slips. Just, I should have kept them, framed them, sold them. It was amazing. So all of a sudden, that was my kind of whole experience with church. It was like, why would I want to be a part of this? Why would I want to do anything like this? All I ever heard from those people are, uh, don't drink. uh, Don't sleep with your girlfriend. uh, Don't steal money. uh, Don't be a murderer. uh, All these things that we're kind of like, we kind of know that. And it's the only thing I ever heard. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. So what did that make me want to do? Do them. So as soon as I left, I, I took off. I'm like, I'm done with this. And uh, if, if you know anything about me, I grew up in Wally, which is like, come on, Wally. And, uh, and it's crazy. It's a whole different ballgame out there. It's like the Wild Wild West, you know? Have you guys ever had a code red before at your school? Right? Code reds are scary. We had five code reds in one year, right? Uh, so there's a guy walking with a gun in the hallway. Uh, casual Tuesday. Anyways, so... This kind of a life was the thing that always kind of was, you know, coming to me all the time. Hey, let's go to this party. Let's go to this place. Let's go and do these kinds of things. I remember being at a party one time. We were all downstairs. There was like a hundred people out here. I'm like, man, these guys have horrible parents. And so we're a hundred people in this guy's basement. There's a DJ playing music. And all of a sudden this guy goes over to the DJ and says, hey, I want you to stop playing this kind of music. And the guy's like, I'll play whatever I want. He's like, I'll punch you in the face. He's like, no, you won't. Boom, punches him in the face. An all-out brawl starts happening downstairs in this guy's party. I'm like, do I, go, do I get in there? Do I get out? You know, I look intimidating, but I just I couldn't hurt my hands. So I left and I went outside. And all of a sudden, all the police started showing up. I'm like, eh, there's, there's probably something different for my life with, with, than this. And then I decided, I'm gonna go back to another party. And I went to the next party, and all of a sudden I showed up, and all of these random strangers kind of came. We were like, dude, I thought this was like just people from our school. And then all of a sudden, this like random guy touched like my girlfriend's or my friend's girlfriend's butt. So then my friend decided to throw him off the ledge. And I'm like, uh, wow, okay. This is not how I saw my life kind of going. It was a life just filled with people who are so self-serving, a life of my, my, my whole life. Everything I'm about is about practicing for the weekend. That's all it was. And I hate school, I hate all of this. Math, who needs it? But the weekend though, the party, the possibility of, of that girl or, or drinking or whatever it is that weekend means for you, that's what they were practicing. I played the game, I was in that life, and I came out of it still wanting something. It didn't satisfy me. There's nothing about it that I said, man, this is enough. And it wasn't until these two guys showed up to my school, started coaching my team, that I saw that there was a whole different way to life, a whole different journey. I remember them picking, them, picking me up, and we'd go to McDonald's, and I'm like, man, this is a good start, you know? Get some free McDonald's. We were listening to like gangster rap music in the car. I'm like, dude, this is legit. Then all of a sudden, one day this guy springs on me like, hey, do you want to come to church with me? I was like, you're a Christian? He's like, yeah. I was like, I thought you were cool. You know, that's my perception. People who are church, people who are Christians are lame. And it was one guy living his life in a proper way came into my life interjected himself into my story, brought me to a place that I began to learn this isn't just a 30-minute thing every single week. It's a lifestyle. It's a life. that everything you do has to be about this. It's not just when your parents are around. It's not just when you're at church. It's not just when you're at youth. You're going to put on a mask. You're going to put on a face. You're going to make yourself look better than everybody else. And that's the problem. Listen, if you're not in this, if you're trying to fake it, just let us know that you're trying to fake it and be honest with yourself. Then at least we have somewhere to start. But don't play the game. Don't sit there, don't know how the song goes, don't know exactly when to raise up your hand to look the holiest. Have a life. That you look at Jesus and you go, there's nothing more in my life than I want than him. That the greatest desire of your heart should be to be someone who is known for knowing him. The greatest desire of your heart should be to be known for knowing him. And that's where we want to make the change. Because Christians, people, are very interesting people. Very interesting group. It's a funny game that we play. This is what uh, this one writer, his name is Leo Tolstoy, this is what he says. Man's whole life is a continual contradiction of what he knows to be his duty. In every department of life, he acts in defiant opposition to the dictates of his conscience and his common sense. How often do we do that? Man, I know I should be doing this, but yet I'm going this way. I I know this is what I should be doing. I know this is what's right, but yet I'm kind of going the opposite direction. And all we're saying here, off the bat, first point, be honest. Just be straight with where you are. Everyone's on a journey. But don't fake like you're 100 meters ahead when you're not. It's the first thing. This whole process of discipleship is for every single person, regardless of whether you know Jesus. You're going somewhere. You're being discipled by something. This is the point where we want you to turn around and say, Jesus is the one I want to learn from. And at times in the church, what we do is we begin to have this whole idea of discipleship, and we make it so much more of a verb than a noun. We go, you need to make disciples, right? Something that you do. And then on your end, as a Christian who grows up in the church, you said, I need to be discipled. Now, the problem of making it a verb all the time is that you begin to be quite passive. You begin to be the kind of person who says, I I need you to make me into something. You guy on stage with the mic, it's your responsibility to make me something. Because it's an action. You are discipling someone. It's a verb. And, And that begins to be the problem. Where we begin to be passive. We begin to rely on the person who we see as somebody who follows Jesus. It's their responsibility to make me something. It's their job. And it's not. Because disciple is a noun. Yes, it's something that you do. You go and you make disciples. That is your job as a Christian here on this earth. To make disciples. To have such a life that people look at and they just get thirsty for him but it's also something that you are. It's not just continually looking at someone else to feed you. It's you know how to feed yourself. You're a disciple. You're a follower. You know him to the deepest extent. Because if you constantly make it a verb, then what you begin to do is you say, somebody needs to teach me. And if I'm the discipler, then somebody else other than Jesus becomes the teacher. And how often does that become the case? Man, that pastor, whew, He's so good. That guy speaks like, uh, man, Mark Clark, what? That guy's legit. And so we get to the reality if something crazy happened to Mark. He gets sick, he has to go to the hospital, he doesn't preach for another three years. How does that affect your faith? Because if your faith goes in any way, if it goes down, you realize you were trusting and teaching in the wrong thing. In the wrong thing. Your job is to be a disciple, not of me, not of my wife, not of any of the leaders. Your job is to be a disciple of Jesus. And the first thing that has to happen in that transition is something has to happen with your head with your mind. Romans has this beautiful passage. You probably heard it a million times. It's like the most like spoken passage in all of youth ministry history. And it's uh, Romans 12.2. Romans 12-2 has this beautiful idea of what it is for us to change. It says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There has to be something about your life that needs to change, and it has to start with your head. It has to start with what you think, with your idea of things, because that provokes what you do. Your thoughts, your 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 very actions are dependent on how you think about certain things. Um, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, goes on this whole thing. It's it's kind of interesting. He talks about anger, and he says this crazy thing that that kind of we we've gotten so used to in church cultures, but we don't actually understand how crazy it actually is. This is what he says. If you were heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. He goes on to say, basically, listen, if you're angry at him, it's almost as if you've already committed murder. And then he gets into this crazy part of lust and adultery. And this is what he says. You have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, which cheat on your wife. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And you're going, man, Jesus, like, that's kind of hardcore, no? Like, it was just an idea. It's just a thought. In his mind, he goes, the very thought means that you've already done it. And you're kind of thinking, like, no, that's not the case. Like, it's just, it's just a thought. Like, people have dumb thoughts all the time. Until you actually understand the beauty of what he's saying. Listen, if you are at school, you're sitting in the cafeteria, maybe with your boys, and you're just talking about a bunch of dumb crap or whatever, you're sitting there. And this girl walks by. You find her attractive. The clothes that she's wearing... You begin to look at her. Not just look at her in a normal way, you look at her in in that kind of a look. You look at the curvatures of her body as she walks by. Your mind begins to play games with you in your head. You've already gone there. Emotionally, spiritually, mentally, you're already at the place where you've thought about the things that you might want to do to her? And what's the only thing holding you back? An opportunity. An opportunity. You know why it's so hard for us to, in relationships, like not sleep with our boyfriend or girlfriend? Because you as the guy have already been watching porn for the last three years. You've already gone there. You've thought about girls in this kind of way. You've, you've, you've dematerialized them. They're no longer even human to you anymore. They're just selections. It, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the blonde hair today. Oh, what about the redhead? It just begins to be options in your minds. So all of a sudden, you get a wife, and you don't begin to treat her very well, and you go, why? Because mentally, you've already gone there. You've already made her less than human. The action is so much more dependent on the thought. He says something so beautiful. What you think, how you think of something, inevitably ends up with how you act. It's so simple. The way you think about something inevitably becomes what you act and this is what he's saying in the negative context. But what if in this series, we can flip it around? What if in this series, for the next four weeks, we go, yeah, if you think lustfully about a woman, you have committed adultery. But what if the opposite is also the same? What if you, what if you looking at someone and being thankful that they're here is you loving them in real life? That you see them at school and you've already been so appreciative of their life that, that they're in the cafeteria, that they're short on money. And your first action is to go, hey, let me, let me handle it. Why? Because mentally you have already been there. And now you're just waiting for the opportunity. What if God could so work in your heart that the greatest desires of your heart is something that could actually be used for good and not for evil? Not to dehumanize people, but to make them even more human than they were. To appreciate, to love, to care for them with this transforming of your mind, that these these habits that we begin to get into, prayer, Bible reading, worship, that are going to be the next three weeks, that those things begin to change the very visceral emotion, the, the very inward, most natural symptoms of our hearts that lead to us loving people. You have to practice. You have to practice. Imagine someone who you know plays on a basketball team and all of a sudden they go, I'm a I'm a basketball player. Have you, you ever been to practice before? No. You uh You ever played in a game? Never. Uh, what have you done? Watched it twice. And you look at that situation, you're like, dude, what an idiot. Until we realize that that's the game that we play all the time. Now, love Jesus, woo! A Christian, follow him. How how did you love someone this week? Didn't. Did you? Did you spend any time with him at all? No. What? What? What did you do? I watched somebody else worship. And then it begins to get real. We have this crazy opportunity as a group of people to not just be so separate, these islands from one another, that we can do something this year that not only transforms us, but transforms everyone around us with this one simple idea, I just want to follow him. I just want to be after him. I want to know him deeper. Yesterday, we're sitting there, and uh, we do this thing called LEAD. We have 16 students in LEAD, and we go through all of these leadership principles. We learned about theology. They're the ones who put on this amazing Christmas banquet. like It, it was unreal, these groups of students. And we're sitting there watching this video on leadership, and this guy says, in order for you to train people, there's five things you got to do. Okay, You have that person next to you, and you do it. Right, You do the task of whatever you're trying to train them to do. You do it. Then you do it, and they help the so second one. So first off, you do it. Second is you do it and they help. The third is they do it and you help. And then the fourth is they do it. And we begin to go, you're done. That's, you've trained them. Now they can do it. And then he says, but there's a fifth step. And the fifth step is always the one that we forget. The fifth step is now you watch them train someone else. And then you'll know you really trained them. Imagine that here. Okay, so so all of us, just just watch me do it. Now help. Now now you do it and and let me watch you do it. Then, Then you just go do it on your own. And now you go and train somebody else To do what we're trying to do. To follow Jesus, to care for him, to love him, to know him deeper than anything else. To have lives that are transformed unimaginably because of this. The story of who he is does something to people's lives. And imagine what happens. I do it. I do it and you help. You do it and I help. You do it and then you go and train someone else. How many people do you think are in this room? 70, 80 maybe. Imagine if every single one of you did that one time. One time. Act like a disciple and you train someone else. It's 160 people who don't know who Jesus was at the beginning of all of this, who now together collectively, because you have been so changed by someone who has come into your life, that now you go and do the same to somebody else. Then there's 80 more people whose lives have been so changed that they're transformed and now they're disciples. And then what if you do it a second time with even them? Then That 180 or that 160 now is 320 people because you've helped two people know who he is. Two people. 320 people. It's a whole grade at his school. And then what if that whole grade of school multiplied? Now you have two grades in one school. Then what happens if those people multiply? Now four grades in that one school are completely overwhelmed by Jesus, and you have done exactly what the call is at the beginning. You practice love. You practice in following him, and you watch people change. I don't think you understand what happens when Jesus enters into a life. We have this flowery flowery language. We go, like, people people are dead and they're raised to life. It's a beautiful metaphor that we talk about. Until you see it. I've seen a guy who was an assassin. He was paid to kill people. Learn about who Jesus is and then go and plant a church. I've seen people who have divorced, attend the church, just listen to some guy talk on stage, and be so overwhelmed by Jesus that they go, I need to remarry my wife. This changes everything. You're never the same. But the call is this for you, the people in this room, here today, Village Youth, That you have the opportunity to practice, to do, to be the kinds of people who so make others thirsty for who Jesus is in this. That their life is never the same because they looked at you. You have the greatest opportunity ahead of you. You have the greatest chance to change a life. He says this beautiful thing. That if you love him, John 14, if you love him, you are going to follow his commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. To practice, to to want to be who he is, to want to follow where he goes, to want to do what he did, to obey to what he says. I was talking to someone yesterday. He said he met up with this guy, a youth pastor, and the youth pastor challenged him and said, If you want to be like Jesus, tell me a couple things that he said, a couple things that he just calls you to do. And he sat there and he said, It was one of the most important moments of my life because I could name three things. Then he asked me to say 10, and I couldn't even do it. You are called to a whole different level. If you follow him, it's different. Let me just give you a short list here of some things that he says. What about repent? Turn away from the stuff. Admit that you screwed up. Come to him. Ask for forgiveness. Repent. Matthew four seventeen. What about rejoice? Are you the kind of person who sits there and is bummed out all the time about everything? When God ta- calls you to be someone who rejoices in the pain. Who's joyful even when things hurt? What about be reconciled? That if you have a problem with someone, you shouldn't even be walking in here for worship until you solve that dispute. That's what he calls every single one of us. And how many of us would have to walk out right now? What, What about do not lust? What about love your enemies? What about seek God's kingdom before anything else? That girl, that relationship, that sport? What about not judging? Commands us to not judge other people, which all of a sudden begins to be the worst thing for us because people walk into this space and they hate walking into youth because they go, that's all that Christians do. Just judge. And yet we're called to do the exact opposite of that very thing. What about pray for people to labor? Pray for the people who go out and seek those who don't know him. What about to not fear? Not to be afraid and trust him. What about to honor your parents? To deny yourself. Stop being so self-seeking and look to the interest of other people first. What about being others interested? What about being someone who, if I'm going to take a step back and they move forward, I'm going to take that a command that he says for you? What about being beware of covetousness? And that's all we do is we just covet. We want what other people have. We look at Instagram, we see someone else's life and we go, I want that. Look at their clothes. I want that. Look at the way that they act. I want to be them. I want to have what they have. And so much of who we are is just so shaped by that thing. Look at how athletic they are. I wish I was like that. I wish I did those kinds of things. And he says, don't do that. Beware of that. What about forgiving people that hurt you? What about being a servant? What about being a house of prayer? You're called to be a house of prayer. What about baptizing people? That you as a follower of Jesus are called to baptize disciples. And how many of us have done that? And the last thing, to make disciples. Matthew 28, this beautiful text where he goes, go. Go. Make disciples. Go to every nation around here. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all that I have commanded you. And know that I am with you to the end of the age the idea that he's saying is, listen, be so immersed in who God is. Be so overwhelmed by God's nature that the only thing that you're provoked to do is action. You practice. You practice what you are. You practice who you are. And that's what the call is for every single one of us. That if you're a Christian in this place, The goal for you is to move from a Christian to a disciple, a follower, a student, an apprentice, a practitioner. And if you are someone in this place who has looked at Christianity and thought it was a joke, let me tell you that it's not. Look at it more. Pay more attention. See the level that it's called you to. This isn't for cowards. This isn't for people who are going to pull back. This is the hardest thing you will ever do in your entire life. When someone spits on you, you pray for them. When someone hits you, you have to love them. It's the hardest thing you will ever accept in your life to do, but that's what you're called to have. And so this time, as we invite the band back up, what I want to do is I want to challenge those of you here today, right now, for the next three weeks, we go through this together. We learn how to do this on the day to day. And at this moment, you go, man, I've treated this like a joke. But I want to commit right now that I'm going to take this seriously from now on. Make this the day. Grab a friend, whoever you're comfortable with. Pray with that individual. Mark this moment. Grab a leader, whoever it is that you want. Mark this moment as the moment where you said, I'm going to move from a Christian to a disciple. And for some of you in the room, you have no idea what this is about. There's some weird feelings stirring up in your heart where you're going, man, I don't know what it is, but this whole Jesus thing has just locked me in. Make this the moment. Make this the memory that changes your life forever. That transforms everything about what you think, what you do, how you act, and how you love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the individuals in this room. That every single one of us here in this place is called to be going on some kind of a journey. That we're moved in one of two directions, to practice or not to practice. God, I pray that we're so overwhelmed by who you are, that we would just see you on display, that we would look at who you are and we would go, man, all I want is to, it's to be like that. To love, to care to be selfless, to act as a servant, to be this house of prayer, to love my enemies, to honor my parents, to do the thing that no one else wants to do. I pray that so overwhelms us. I I pray that that just, it so shapes our hearts that at this moment, what we begin to think is, I wanna be all in. This is the moment I wanna give everything I have to be with you. This is the moment where I'm no longer holding back. I'm not I'm not retreating from what you've called me to. I'm running straight forward and whatever you call me to do, I will do. Let this be the moment. God work in our hearts, all of us, every single one of us that we have something we're leaving behind and let us give you that thing. Our relationship, our fears, our anxieties, our jobs, our our, our, our schools, our family life, whatever it is that's holding us back, let us just give that to you and let us go all in. Let us make the commitment. Let us move and call us to be who we are called to be. So Father, we thank you. We love you. And in Jesus' name we want to pray. Amen.